For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Tonight's chant will be the guidepost for silent illumination, but we will begin with the repentance verse, which we chant three times. Um, A reminder to everyone, please stay muted while we are chanting. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. Guidepost for silent illumination. Uh, 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 Silent and serene, forgetting words, bright clarity appears before you. When you reflect it, you become vast. Where you embody it, you are spiritually uplifted, spiritually solitary and shining. Inner illumination restores wonder. Dew in the moonlight, a river of stars, snow-covered pines, clouds enveloping the peak. In darkness, it is most bright, while hidden, all the more manifest. The crane dreams in the wintry mists. The autumn waters flow far in the distance. Endless kalpas are totally empty. All things completely the same. When wonder exists in serenity, all achievement is forgotten in illumination. What is this wonder? Alertly seeing through confusion is the way of silent illumination and the origin of subtle radiance. Vision penetrating into subtle radiance is weaving gold on a jade loom. Upright and inclined yield to each other. Light and dark are interdependent, not depending on sense faculty and object. At the right time, they interact. Drink the medicine of good views. Beat the poison-smeared drum. When they interact, killing and giving life are up to you. Through the gate, the self emerges and the branches bear fruit. Only silence is the supreme speech. Only illumination, the universal response. Responding without falling into achievement. Speaking without involving listeners. The 10,000 forms majestically glisten and expound the Dharma. 
All objects certify it, everyone in dialogue. Dialoguing and certifying may respond appropriately to each other, but if illumination neglects serenity, then aggressiveness appears. Certifying and dialoguing may respond to each other appropriately, but if serenity neglects illumination, murkiness leads to wasted dharma. When silent illumination is fulfilled, the lotus blossoms, the dreamer awakens. A hundred streams flow into the ocean. A thousand ranges face the highest peak. Like geese preferring milk, like bees gathering nectar. When silent illumination reaches the ultimate, I offer my teaching. The teaching of silent illumination penetrates from the highest down to the foundation. The body being shunyata, the arms in mudra, from the beginning to end, the changing appearances and 10,000 differences share one pattern. Mr. Ho offered jade to the emperor. Mr. Shangru pointed to its flaws. Facing changes has its principles. The great function is without striving. The ruler stays in the kingdom. The general goes beyond the frontiers. Our school's affair hit the mark straight and true. Transmit it to all directions without desiring to gain credit. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the guidepost for silent illumination. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha, our first woman ancestor, great teacher Maha Prajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma. Our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Eihei Dogen. Our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogako Shunryu. The perfect wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri. May all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas extend their compassion to the benefit and well-being of all sentient beings and to our great abiding friend, Flynn. May he find his true place in Buddha's way. All Buddhas throughout space and time. All honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, mahaprajna paramita. Good evening, everyone. Uh, for newcomers, I'm Taigen Layton, the guiding Dharma teacher of Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, and I'm very happy to have giving a talk tonight our new Eno, head of the meditation uh, hall, which uh, in this case is our Zoom Zendo, Dylan Toropov. So thank you very much, Dylan.
Thank you, Tygen. Uh, hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. Can everybody hear me okay? Thumbs up for good audio, hopefully. Right. Okay. So, um, originally, I wanted to do a talk based on a science fiction magazine, uh, Infinite Worlds Number Two. I wanted to do, a, 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 you know, a talk based on reason and imagination and the forest and how they're all interlinked. But uh, Tygen, for some reason, told me that that was too much ground to cover in one talk. Uh, so, <laughs> I know um, Tygen and I don't really, we don't agree about everything. I think most notably at the moment, uh, he believes that the Grateful Dead were only good until 1972, while I maintain that they were uh, great until about 1990. Um, but, you know, I think he's right about the <laughs> I think he's right about this specific scenario. But hey, um, there's proof that people can work it out somehow. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell some stories about the wilderness uh, in this talk. But I'd like to make some acknowledgments first. Uh, today, I honor and uplift that this territory is home to the original stewards and guardians of Chicagoland, the Miami, Osetisakoin, Kekapu, Peoria, Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi nations. Uh, the Alliance of the Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi nations is known as the Council of Three Fires, first formed in the year 796 of the Common Era at Mishimikinak, also known as Mackinac Island in Michigan. These peoples did and do still exist, and I thank them for their continuing leadership. Without their committed stewardship, we would not be enjoying this place today. Also today, I recognize and acknowledge the enslaved Africans who have lived, been subjugated to free labor, and toiled the grounds where many temples have been built and resurrected. And today I remember and uplift the hundreds of thousands of people whom we have lost to coronavirus in 2020. I remember their families and the impact on the lives of their family members, uh, the economic damage to individuals and institutions, and the amount of deaths that could have and can be prevented. The future generations are depending on us to study the dimensions of this tragedy and act accordingly. So I was um, I was born in suburban Massachusetts in a little town called Middleton, Massachusetts. It's about um, half an hour north of Boston. And uh, the first music I heard was uh, the song Mother, Mother Nature's Son. Uh, my dad is a um, huge Beatles nerd. And uh, we'll talk about the White Album endlessly if you get him started. And so while my mom was pregnant with me, uh, he put headphones on her stomach and played Mother Nature's Son. Um, I grew up next to my grandparents' farm. Uh, they lived in a house that was built back in the 1700s, and uh, they raised sheep. And there was a hill that my cousins and I would sled on in the wintertime at the farm. 
and there were uh, woods behind the hill. I never figured out exactly how far they went. I would, always, you know, I would wander in and get lost and run back in before I figured out exactly how far the woods actually went. In the springtime, my grandma would uh, hide gnomes around the farm for us uh, to find. And, uh, and she would play gin rummy with me after school when I, when I came home. Uh, I would play with uh, their dog, uh, Teddy, who was a yellow lab. And, uh, and he loves me very much. My dad worked at home, and uh, when I got home from school, he would make sure that I played outside instead of watching television uh, uh, endlessly, you know, uh, in the afternoon. So I would be sitting outside without really any choice about it. And I would always be frustrated about this, that, you know, I, there was nothing to do, apparently. There was a big field between our house and my grandma and grandpa's farm that I would wander around in and hit rocks with a baseball bat. Uh, that was kind of how I passed the time most of the time. And uh, one day, uh, my dad uh, told me a story about a prince who was trapped inside of a big rock uh, in our front yard. And he said that I could communicate with this prince if I hit the rock with a spoon. I think I got that story right. I know my parents are listening to this, so hopefully I'm not, uh, I'm, we're probably all remembering this differently. So that's what I remember. <laughs> um, and actually, before I tell this next story, um, because I know my parents are listening to this, and my, um, I really want to thank them. Uh, they gave me so much to give me a good life and uh, were very patient with me. Uh, on the surface, I, I kind of figured out pretty quickly how to be uh, polite and, um, uh, yeah, polite, I guess, would be the best term but deep down i i was and i think continue to be a rebellious exhausting non-conforming brat and uh and and so they had many years of experience uh learning how to deal with this and uh and give me space so i, I thank both of you mom and dad for all the love over the years i wouldn't be here without you and it's in that context that I tell this story. Uh, so, uh, especially when I got close to being a teenager, um, I told <laughs> I told my parents. I walked in to my up to my dad. I walked up to my dad and I and I said, "I'm running away." <laughs> and he said, and he kind of chuckled to himself, and he said, "Okay." <laughs> and uh, and then I walked down the street until I got lonely and then I just walked back home. So Tigan's laughing at me uh, or with me, I think more accurately. My favorite time when I was a kid at school was uh, when I would sit by myself in the back of the bus, listening to music and looking out the window. And I still do this whenever I'm on a train to go back home to Massachusetts or when I'm on a CTA bus here in Chicago. Uh, I had friends in school, but I was never really cool or popular. And I 
always had a problem with authority. Um, I didn't like it if I had to do something and I didn't know the reason behind it. And I really didn't like it if I had to do something and I knew the reason behind it and I didn't like the reason behind it. I, I've always had to know why I was doing something. And if I, and, and if I didn't get the reason, then I was kind of prickly about it. Uh, and I also didn't uh, want to do something just so that someone else could tell me that I was smart. You know, I, I think I always, uh, I think that was my thing in school where I would always hand in papers late because I, I, <laughs> um, like I would get good grades, but, but I always had a, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to articulate it back then, but I, 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 I had a, uh, a burning question in me of like, why, why does it matter that you grade this? Why, why does your approval matter about this? What's the point? Why, what, what is, if I write this paper and you like it, what's the point, you know? Um, uh, why, you know, what's the, <laughs> what's the end result of this? And what am what is, what is the, why should it, why should I care? <laughs> um, I think uh, I had kind of a, a turning point a little bit um, when I was in fifth grade. My dad has also been uh, a, a spiritual seeker type of a person. And uh, in fifth grade, he told me that he was going to go visit the Cambridge Zen Center. And uh, there was a copy of Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind in his home office. And, and I just thought it looked cool, you know, I had the big picture of Suzuki Roshi on the back and I just was always arrested by his picture on the back of well, what it's kind of, you know, a little bit mischievous, but wise at the same time. And, and, but it was a really short book. And so, but it felt like there was a lot more in it. So I didn't read it, but I was, but I was fascinated by it. And so when he said he was going to go visit the Cambridge Zen Center and I was in fifth, yeah, I think fifth grade. Uh, I thought that sounded really cool. And so I asked if I could come and he kind of, he was like, well, you know, it means we're going to be waking up at three 30 in the morning. And I was like, Whoa, that's intense. All right, let's go. You know? So I thought it was super hardcore to wake up at three 30 in the morning to go to meditation. So I went with him. Um, and man, these folks at the Zen center, I still can't thank them enough to, because they were so patient with me as like a 10 year old where you know, for folks that have, those of us that have, you know, been at a Zen center, you know, once you start sitting, there's kind of an expectation that you're sitting there and you're quiet and it's 35 minutes and then the bell rings. And this concept, I could not, I could not comprehend it and I couldn't physically do it as a kid. So I was always, I was, you know, during the meditation period, getting up and saying that I was uncomfortable and there was people that were just like giving me a chair and moving me around and making sure like finding me, you know, accommodating me, you know, as a kid. And they even like gave me Dokusan. Um, and so uh, I only did that once, but the experience really stayed with me. So I want to thank my dad for letting me tag along for that as he was checking that out. Uh, when I, when I was 13, um, you know, we, there was a lot of different religions in my household. Uh, you know, my, my mom was, uh, congregational, uh, Protestant Christian. My dad was checking out a couple of different things. Uh, my grandma, Judy, who lived with us was, uh, a Buddhist. She said she, she, she described herself as a Buddhist, never saw her meditating, but 
you know, so we didn't really have one religious situation going on. But when I turned 13, my dad really wanted me to have like a bar mitzvah kind of experience um, of like, you know, that, that entry point into that next period of your life. And so he took me on a train trip from Massachusetts to uh, the West Coast to visit his side of the family, who I didn't really visit that often. And I didn't really know that well. And the the memory that really sticks with me of that is that I we we got stuck in Buffalo, New York, uh, for like hours, and it was it was lots of snow pouring down, and I just I just remember look seeing all this snow falling and listening to Guns N' Roses November Rain and Kate Bush's first album The Kick Inside, and just having a moment. Uh, with that. Uh, my parents started uh, breaking up when I was in high school. And at the time, I thought that uh, I was relieved about that. Because uh, it was it was tough in the house. Um, but uh, actually, I was very sad about it. And it took me a long time to realize that I was really sad about that. In the moment I was like, Oh, I'm going to be the man of the house now. And I, you know, this is finally over and we can, but actually I was really sad. And, uh, sad that our family was fracturing and scattering. Um, and, but I also was a part of that. Um, I went to a college that was three hours away from home. So when high school ended, I, you know, went to a college that was in Hudson Valley of New York. And uh, it was kind of close to the middle of nowhere. And uh, I think my favorite memory from college was that I, uh, uh, there's, there's sort of this magical period after you finish your big culminating senior project. Where every, every senior has to do a, a big 80-page paper. And there's this magical period where after you finish your senior project, but before graduation happens, there's like two weeks where the seniors are just kind of hanging out, you know, and there's, there's nothing to do, you know, you're just sort of with each other. And, uh, and uh, there in that two weeks, there was this, can't remember if it was my junior or senior, but there was this deer that, appeared in the uh in the the very edge of the campus right right where it turned into the forest there was a glowing green deer and apparently this was an art project that one of the arts to i went to a very artsy liberal arts school where people you know their their big project was taking a camera into the middle of the woods and filming whatever happened and then submitting that as their final paper or their final project that kind of school um, so somebody, somebody apparently had made as their project a glowing green deer on the edge of the campus, right where it meets the forest. And uh, my friends and I would like congregate around this green deer and drink and and hang out and uh, and just kind of have it soak in uh, the last couple of weeks before we all went our different directions. Uh, on my way home from college, after I graduated, I hit and killed a deer with 
my car that I named Teddy after the dog. Um, uh, and I have it now. I and I I don't know if I did this intentionally or unconsciously, but I tattooed a deer on my arm, an Irish red deer on my arm, which I found out is the the county animal of uh, where my great grandfather is from in Ireland. So. I'm still figuring that out about how how those all th- all things uh, ha- are, happen to be working together in some way. After college, I went further from home to Chicago with no money uh, to try and find a new home, and so I've lived here ever since. And it's in Chicago that. I learned that thanks to many of the people here now, um, the the depths of the challenges that we face uh, as a city and as a country and uh, the pain that we're in. You know, I, I kind of was raised to, to um, I felt like, the, um, you know, in the suburbs that everything was okay. And then I got on the, red line in Chicago and noticed that it was basically all white people on the North side of the city. And then once I was got onto the Harrison stop and more South, it was all, almost all black folks on the train. And I kind of was looking around like, how is what happened here? You know, how is that? Is that, is anyone else noticing what I just noticed? And, you know, it just blew my mind. Um, but also thanks to, many people that are here and not here, uh, I have never lost hope in our ability to work together. And um, all of the spectacular possibilities that there are when we, and I'm going to quote the words of the great sages of the the school of wild stallions, um, Theodore uh, Theodore Ted Logan and Bill S. Preston Esquire, the spectacular possibilities when we're being excellent to each other. So one of the things I love when I take the train to visit Massachusetts is that the train goes through parts of the country that don't have towns and don't have roads and uh, electricity, you know, besides like the train tracks. and when i uh when i see a river you know with oak trees or whatever kind of trees on the bank and water rushing around the rocks it's it just it always feels like the earth is telling me that no matter what after after everything after all that hurts there is a part of being alive that is not broken and it never could be broken, and it never will be. So I called this talk, Are You the Wilderness? Because I, 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 I guess that that's been the basic question of my life so far. 
you know, where does that, where does that wilderness end? Is this, is it a place? Is it a way of seeing things? Do I enter it and go out of it? Uh, is it, is it the tree when I, when I'm walking down Belmont Avenue? Uh, where does it stop? Where does it end? Uh, so, you know, I've been at Ancient Dragon for about five years now, and I think, I think that's what comes up when I meditate, is that it's immediate wilderness. That, that to me, Zazen is immediate wilderness. I think that's all I have to say today. Thank you, Dylan. So, do we have any uh, wilderness comments or responses or questions for Dylan? And maybe, uh, Wade, you can help me track when people are, have comments. And you can um, go on the participant window if we can't see you and raise your hand. There's a raise hand button at the bottom. Um, I guess I'll get us started if no one else has a question. Um, thank you very much, Dylan, for that talk. Um, could you could you define wilderness? Could you could you attempt to gesture at a working definition of wilderness for you? For me, or for, for or in general? No, well, for you now, for the sake of the talk. Um. I guess it would it would be uh, not forgetting where things come from. Um, I see David Ray's hand first. And Amina's hand is up also. Hi, Dylan. Thank you very Hi, much. Thank you very much for that talk. It was a lot of it was like a way seeking mind talk. And I loved hearing about your life. And I feel even more glad that you're that you're my Dharma friend and and, and that we're in a, in a Sangha together. And um I heard you talk about identifying as a brat, and I also heard you talk about um um, the, another thing that I really identify with, and it's uh, you didn't use, use you didn't use the word hypocrite, but you talk about being externally externally polite, but 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 interiorly rebellious. And I identify yeah. with, with that very much. I identify with that in, in my life. And this category of, of of brat is very interesting to me for for various reasons. I mean, I've, I've thought about it some brattiness in myself and, and other people. And I, I think maybe one thing about being a brat is that. It can only happen in, in the environment of being cherished. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like 
somebody who is a brat is somebody who is like testing the limits of a of an environment that is full of cherishment and and love and that's that's really what you what you depicted but here's my question and it's 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 a question about you it's a sort of untoward question because i experience you as as somebody who has this warm leadership this you know and and, and you 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 hold space to use you know a, a word from from my men's group personal work uh, i love your friday mornings and I, I love the energy that you bring so my question for you is like does 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 that does that brat energy? How does that brat energy show up in your life now, and how does it serve you? How 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 do you or would you practice with with bratty energy? What a great question, dude. Uh, uh, and yeah, first, just I really also appreciate um, your presence here as well. It's always a joy to practice with you. Um, I think. I think I've, I think if Zen has given me anything, you know, if well, it's suppo- not supposed to give me anything, right. Hypothetically, but, but if it has given me anything, it's helped me figure out when to unleash the brat and how to do it. You know um, I think one of the first things that made me feel welcome at ancient dragon, uh, cause I was coming out of uh, a lot of anarchist circles. When I, so I was like, I was doing a lot of activism and stuff before I came to ancient dragon. And when I came to ancient dragon, that was my first my first um, uh, preset, and I've noticed that I do this in in a, in a lot of different contexts. Is I kind of I'm, I, I'm prickly to figure out what kind of situation, what kind of context I'm settling into. What what is the, what is the energy at this place, you know? Um, and uh, and so I would you know I would ask I would I would be like you know what's wh- why is there a teacher? Why does that matter? Uh, what's the, what's the hierarchy? Why does that matter? Who's more Buddha than who? How is that possible? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, and I think the first, the thing that, that helped me, the first thing that helped me feel like I was really part of the Sangha was, um, I asked a very pointed question and, uh, during one of Tigan's talks and he responded, well, Buddha doesn't get pushed around. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I felt, it felt like it felt like uh, that was in. I don't know if that's what he meant. And I can't see his face right now, but he's probably smirking that uh, he was acknowledging the energy that I was bringing in and why I was doing it. And and it made and I think I chilled out a little bit after I heard that. Um, so I think I. Um, I don't I don't I don't I'm not like. I don't dislike that part of myself. I really like that part of myself. And I think there's, there's times when it's necessary. There's times when you have to stand up for what's right, you know, and, and there's a lot of times when what's right isn't happening and someone's got to be the person that's got it, got enough, uh, uh, brattiness or, you know, uh, to to say to 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 make it known that what's happening isn't isn't right, you know. So there's so I think as I've as I've uh, grown up that it would kind of come out in that that kind of energy would come out in not so helpful forms. And I think the more I practice, the more I learn when when it's time to uh, stand up, you know, um, and and make a make make a point, you know, not out of 
you know, being more important than anybody else, but because, uh, you know, truth is at stake, you know, and that's worth defending. I'll tell one, one fun story as an example of this. Uh, I, I, I was a volunteer DJ uh, in Chicago for a while at Chirp Radio. Some of you might know it. Um, and uh, when the first, I, and I got accepted to be a DJ, you know, so at first I was a volunteer and then I got accepted to be a DJ. And the first day that I went into the music station to like get training on being a DJ, I consciously came in wearing a uh, thrift store t-shirt of uh, Garth Brooks. I, I wanted to find something, something that music nerds would find just, you know, just really uh, alarming potentially, you know, that I had been authorized to be the arbiter of cool music, but yet I came in wearing a Garth Brooks t-shirt. I just wanted to see what people would do, you know? And lo and behold, you know, the director was like, you're coming into my music studio wearing a Garth Brooks t-shirt and you're supposed to be, be you know, like DJing the, 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 to Chicago, all the cool music. And he, he said it in kind of a joking way, but I could tell, you know, there was, there was a little bit of sincerity in it. So it helped me figure out, you know, how, uh, how it, 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 sometimes that, that prickliness has helped me figure out where the, where the work needs to be. You know, how, how uptight is a place, basically. Dylan, I never realized before that one of the prime qualities for a good Eno was being bratty. That's, that's well, very, welcome. very interesting. Uh, Amina, did you have a question, comment? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a question, really, but I just wanted to say um, that I really love the idea of Zazen as an, as an immediate wilderness. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for your talk and also the Garth Brooks story. <laughs> I think he's got great songs, you know, to be honest. So I'm, I, I don't, I'm not a hater. <laughs> Thanks. David Weiner. I just want to thank you, uh, Dylan. Uh, for a lot of different things that we've shared together, but also for uh, what you did for the um, for the sangha by coming up with the eco sattva and making sure that we say it and researching it and you know naming the different tribes and naming where where they met and using the native names, not just saying Mackinac Island, but the island as it was known in the native tongue. And and I tie that to what you say about wilderness. And I think it's it's important you bring something about that to the Sangha that make us all remember both our origins and our connections to the, to our earth. And that's something I think that we're we're all benefiting from. And I thank you for that. I thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's a bunch of, I want to say about that. I feel like I'm always in a situation where I either have nothing to say or too much to say. Um, uh, first, like anything that I brought and I, I don't want to take any credit for, uh, you know, or brought, I guess anything I brought, I don't like, 
I heard Tygen say the Ecosava vows first and I was like, that sounds great. And that's, that's what I, you know, and so then I asked if we could do it, you know, all of the, like all of those names existed. I just put in the research to figure out how we could say it. So, you know, a, a lot of what I'm trying to figure out in life is how to do the right thing without thinking that I had to do, or like that I was more important or something by doing it, just doing the right thing. Cause it's, it's what's, what it's time to do. Um, uh, and, uh, one of those things being getting season tickets with you to go see the White Sox. That's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. So, uh, well, you know, not all season, but many games. Uh, so I've learned a lot from you, David. And, uh, and, and, um, and so thank you for that. Uh, and, and I think, I think it's especially important in the stage of capitalism that we're in to uh, remember where we come from. I think, I think that's vital for us right now. I think when you're, you know, um, uh, when, when you're working and you don't know what it means uh, and you, and, or you're, um, you know, you're making widgets to go to the widget factories for who knows why, but you're doing it because you have to, because you're paying the rent. You know, it's easy to forget where, uh, what, what the point is, you know, um, and, and why you're alive. And I think it's much easier to know why you're alive when you look at a tree, you know, and that's always available, hopefully, you know, until they pave paradise, but, um, they won't, I don't think we'll let that happen. So. I think Asian was next, and then I thought I saw Paul's hand. So, Asian. Thank you for a very thought-provoking Dharma talk, Dylan. Um, my fellow displaced Massachusetts and, uh, and Dharma friends, I, uh, I just resonated with your talk. I also, well, you didn't say this. Um, when I was younger, I didn't want anyone to know that I was from Massachusetts. I associated it with, um, you know, a lot of like more wholesome and kind of small and dull and, and, and nature and, and things that I did. I wanted to, you know, get rid of when I was, when I was younger, I wanted to get rid of that side. And, uh, I think I actually told someone once that I hate nature and, um, because of having it crammed down my throat at for 20 years and living in Massachusetts. But, um, you know, fast forward to the present and now I, you know, lead meditation retreats out in nature and there's nothing I enjoy more because I also feel like there's that sort of wilderness aspect of Zazen. But what I wanted to just comment on is how we can never, you know, I'll never be a Massachusettsan again, but I'm also not a real Chicagoan, you know, the way that, that, that I feel that, you know, pull to where you, where you grow up. And uh, I read a book by Mylan Kundera once where the main character who has been away from her home city for, I don't know, 20 or so years goes back and realizes that you can never really go back. Um, and, and that she doesn't understand them. They don't understand her. There's a whole side, part of her that she doesn't know. And I'm, so I'm wondering how, how Massachusetts shows up in you, in your life. 
Um, well, you'll probably, I mean, and anybody that's left where they grew up and goes back and visits will probably know what I'm talking about, where when I go home like once or twice a year, it's like the twilight zone where it's like half very recognizable and then half, and then you, but you also notice everything that's different. And so it's like this liminal space where it is what you remember, but it's different than what it was. And it's been, but it's, you know, been so long since you were really living there that the differences just really become very apparent. And it, and it does, and it's like, you can never go back to that sense of home, home, you know, that it's, it's, it's someplace else now that's resembling what it once was, but it never will be what it once, what it was before. Um, so there are times when I'm in Massachusetts where it just feels like it did back, back when I was a kid. And there are times when it, it, it's really, it, it's feels prickly and strange because it's, 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 a uh, it feels like it's close to it, but, but not. Um, uh, like the uncanny valley effect, you know, but I think I've also, you know, uh, found, and I don't know whether, I don't know where I first heard this, but, or where, whether I felt this or heard this first or what the sequence of that was, but I don't think I really want to look somewhere else for home anymore. I think that's the point of, of, Zazen being immediate wilderness, it's the same thing as home is right where I am, wherever that is, you know, and I mean, there's lots of songs about that, you know, about, about being a, you know, wanderer with a banjo or whatever, but, but wherever I am, you know, like, that's part of what Zazen does is remind me that I don't have to go somewhere else to be home. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, Paul, did you have your hand up? Thank you very much, Dylan. I haven't known you too long, but we've had some quite intense interchanges. <laughs> and uh, your your inner wrap is quite obvious. You wear it on your sleeve. It's quite wonderful. And I especially <laughs> like that you identified Suzuki Roshi's inner wrap with that picture when you saw it. <laughs> uh, it was definitely there. And uh, and I think your insight about Zazen and wilderness being uh, being the same expression is, is a wonderful insight because like Shikantaza, wilderness includes everything. Things are dying, things are growing, things are blooming, things are, are falling apart and rotting. And there's no sign saying bears aren't allowed. You know, there's, there's nothing there's nothing kept out. Anything can wander through the picture. So it's that's 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 our Zazen mind that um and I think that's quite quite wonderful that, that you that you spotted that. Anyway, I just wanted to thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Um, yeah, I you know I, I was really thrilled when Tigan let me know that you were uh, accepting being guest teacher here because our I remember our our lunch from a couple of years ago when you came and visited and it had a very it was it was not long but it had an effect on me. So I want to thank you for everything you said at that lunch because I remember it. So. Most of it. I have a bad memory for a lot of things, but I remember a lot of what you said, so thank you. Uh, so next, uh, I'm not sure how to say your, your S names. S names, is that it? Oh, S names. What's up? S names. Where are you? 
Oh, there you are. Hi. You're muted. Thanks for inviting me, Dylan, and for telling yeah. me that I was muted. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the talk that you just gave. Um, and I just wanted to share a thought um, from something that you said. So I recently moved from Chicago to Massachusetts. I now live in uh, Western Massachusetts, which is where my grandparents lived uh, when I was growing up. And I spent my childhood in Virginia and would travel um, at least twice a year, would do a big road trip with my family from Virginia up to <coughs> Massachusetts and spent a lot of time like watching trees pass in the backseat of a car and like listening to my own music is like a spiritual experience that I can relate to. Um, and when you were answering that question about like, how would you define wilderness? You said, um, knowing where things come from. And my like immediate thought was, I think like knowing where things come from and also not knowing where they go. Um, I feel like I feel that kind of release, I think, when like looking at the trees passing by of, of like, I don't know, I used to imagine as a kid all the different like stories of things that were happening in the woods, like the deer and the foxes and like all the different animals that were there that I just couldn't see like living their own lives. Um, so I, I, I don't know, that's a new definition for me that I really like is the combination of knowing where things come from and not knowing where they go after. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, and I think there's also um, that aspect in riding the subway. I, I have that feeling when, um, and this, this blows my mind sometimes, like you look at somebody on the subway and then you realize that they have a life story that you're never going to be able to comprehend. Like they had so much stuff happen to them, you know? And, and you'll, and you'll never like, just like, I can't even figure everything that's that I've done or been or whatever, how many different selves I've been and all that. And like, just trying to keep track of that of my own self. And then this other person's got a whole other life that's been as long or longer than mine. And then you multiply that by how many people are there, you know? So like, it doesn't, I think that's what I'm, what I'm trying to work on now is it's obvious, you know, when we're, looking looking out the window you know at the, at the at the trees and the deer and everything but i think it's also not knowing where things have been and where they're going in the subway you know or um on the highway or at the supermarket now humans are the ones that came up with this idea that like this is the grocery store and then out there is is where the wild things are you know Thank you, Dylan, uh, for a wonderful talk. Um, we're almost at time, but if anybody else has something to say, whether wild or not, um, questions or comments, uh, we have time for one or two more, maybe. Anyone? We have uh, Mike here. Hi. Uh, Hi, Dylan. Thank you for 
Um, wonderful talk. Um, thank you for always being yourself. I guess there's <laughs> no better way to put it. Um, I really, I really appreciate practicing with you because I think you, um, you've always been someone for me who's, um, I don't know, you've never been afraid to be yourself. Um, you just kind of let yourself be and you're always so warm and, and funny. And it's like you fit um, as a puzzle piece so well with just anyone who comes around with different personality types. And I really admire that. And um, you were talking about, you know, when, uh, I forget what it was, but like when, when to like, when to be, when to fight and when to not. And as a fellow uh, queer Dharma friend, I, I struggle with, you know, like when, when do I want to, you know, protest really hard and, you know, when is best to, you know, sit back and uh, let things be. And I, I really admire, I've always admired your approach to like how you've um, handled that balance um, for what it's worth. So, um, so I just wanted to say that and thank you. And it's um, just an honor to practice with you. So. Thanks, Mike. Same, same, same for you. Um, I think uh, I I learn I I keep learning who I am by listening to other people. <laughs> you know. Well, speaking of other people, thank you, Dylan, for dragging in all the new people tonight. Uh, you're all welcome to come back to Ancient Dragons Endgate again. Um, uh, check out our schedule. We have uh, other interesting people besides Dylan coming and speaking. So uh, we'll close with the uh, and Trisha. Hi, it's nice to see you. Uh, uh, so we'll close with the four Bodhisattva vows, and then we'll have announcements and time to just hang out. Uh, when and uh, you're welcome to stay and and uh, talk together. So uh, wait if you would do the. Uh, closing bodhisattva vows, please. Yes, one moment, and I will put that on the screen for everyone. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are exhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it.